And to be quite honest, every single time <laughs> that rule of thumb has generally worked, they will yeah. say something that's racist. And I get that now, like, we're in this real era of black people shouldn't educate people. Like, it's not our job. We shouldn't be extending that energy to do that. I, mm-hmm. I totally understand that argument. Um, but then part of me is just like, where do we have space for people who want to learn but don't want to say ignorant things? I get that Google is a thing, but sometimes where do you start with Google? Do you get what I'm saying? (laughs) Welcome to... Welcome to episode 12, 12, yeah, 12, yeah, 12. 12 of the Coco Girls. I am Daria. I'm Nai. Hi guys. Thanks for joining. Yeah, thanks for joining for another week of the Coco Girls to brighten up your Monday morning. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> um, so how are you doing? How's your week been? Yeah, I'm doing all right. I'm doing like CV development, okay. trying to, you know, make things appear better than they are. <laughs> That's I mean, what I'm doing. A CV is a finesse anyway, isn't it? Yeah, I'm also trying to make my COVID time like look more related to my goals and aspirations and all that, so, yeah. I mean, you stayed alive during a pandemic. That is <laughs> a big goal achieved as far as I'm concerned, to be quite honest. I really wish that was enough. And I really wish that we lived in a world where it was like, yeah, it's fine, like, as long as your mental health is good, like, apply. <laughs> Not how did you use the pandemic to your benefit? Mate, what? <laughs> like... Yeah, how are you doing? I'm really good. I'm really, really good. I'm doing good. Um, yeah, second week in a row, guys. She's smiling. Yeah, it's the sun. It's the sun. It's the sun. But from tomorrow, the sun is gone here. So yeah, let's see. Let's see how I'll be next week. Who knows? Definitely raining here. Um, so yeah. Uh, Yeah, I checked the weather in London. I was like, oh well, at least I'm doing better (laughs) than you guys. Since I'm not allowed outside, at least I could go uh, to the park in the sunny weather. Um, so this week it's me running through the news as you guys know by now i will be sharing some new stories from the caribbean i've got three for you today i ventured a little (laughs) bit away from jamaica Um, (laughs) some of you i feel are very happy about that but there's literally only one story but hey ho here we go um so our first story um, it made me laugh at first, but I don't I don't think it's actually that funny. Okay. This story's come from Trinidad. A bus driver received a 12-month prison sentence for chasing a police officer with a cutlass. A cutlass. <laughs> for those of you who don't know what a cutlass is, it's a machete, okay? A machete. Oh, man. Um, so <laughs> It made me think of you last week because obviously you bus case in it, but this man, this, this man definitely didn't bus case. So he was spotted by a traffic officer overtaking several vehicles. He was ordered to stop, but obviously he wasn't having any of it. He continued driving, and then the traffic officer managed to force him to stop. Upon which he reached over to the passenger side, not of his best friend's ride, of his own ride, <laughs> <laughs> and picked up his cutlass and began chasing the police officer. This, by the way, was all caught on camera. No! (laughs) (laughs) 
I mean, that's what makes it worse. And in the news article, you know, you see those still images and you just see him with his machete. Yeah. And then even facing the person that's filming him. And I was like, oh, God. Okay. Oh, no. So he was, um, fa- he's facing 14 charges. Well, I say he's facing, he's already faced 14 charges, including f- failure to wear a seatbelt, carrying offensive weapon, dangerous driving, etc., etc. He's received 12 months for those. However, and he, he pleaded guilty. To one charge, however, he he is adamant that he is not guilty. The charge is what? Disorderly behaviour. <laughs> I mean, I don't know about you, but chasing somebody with a cutlass, in my mind, constitutes yeah. disorderly behaviour. But um, Mate, apparently he's really not. He's really trying that one because obviously, like, we know that cutlasses can be used for like actually like cutting grass and like whatnot. So like, sugar you know, cane, the field. May, maybe maybe he wants to try and say that that's where he was headed to, <laughs> and the policemen were just in his line of view. <laughs> I mean, possibly, maybe, um, but yeah. So he pled not guilty to that, and he's gonna go to court in three weeks' time for that charge. So I don't know how. I don't know if they're gonna like punish him extra because he's pleaded not guilty but we will see we'll see what happens maybe we'll do a little catch up on this story okay our next story guys guess where it's from (laughs) ja (laughs) it is from ja the headline killed me police to probe shot our wedding photo (laughs) (laughs) someone was like I'm sorry, but reading Jamaican newspaper newspapers actually kills me the headlines are the best part for real. So there was a photo of a bride and groom posing with assault rifles and a handgun at their wedding. The, <laughs> the plot, the plot thickens though, because these are members of the Jamaican Constabulary Force. <laughs> so, do you know, um, you know what's wild? I actually saw this, <laughs> the photo of them, as I was scrolling through Instagram the other day, and I thought this is either Photoshop or the Caribbean. <laughs> <laughs> Is that the rule of thumb? Photoshop or the Caribbean? Literally, and I was like, you know what? I'm not even entertaining this today. But I'm ready to hear about this. Go on. Um, so, yeah. So, the the bride alleged to be a police sergeant. So, she's not even just some any, any little officer out here. She's a sergeant. She was holding an assault rifle with the JCF, so the Jamaican Constabulary Force, branding on it. <laughs> I don't know how these people do it. Girl, girl, come on. <laughs> As she kissed her groom. There were also two police officers in uniform in the background of the photo. Of course. So um, the Inspectorate and Professional Standards Oversight Bureau are leading the investigation into this incident. Who knows what will happen to them? But I mean, it's your business, isn't it? I don't know. I don't know why you want to pose a, with with guns in your wedding photo. Though. I don't. I don't know what the appeal is. Madness. Yeah, I don't know what the appeal is. Um, but hey, who, who knows what's going to happen to them? But I mean. It so makes for a great photo. I mean, it, possibly <laughs> they might have to spend some time apart and as newlyweds, what, visiting each other in prison? Or, well, they won't even be able to visit each other. <laughs> so, well, you know, hope it was worth it. Okay. <laughs> for real. Right on, Yeah, for real, for real. Our final story is also from JA, but the headline got me as well because it was like. Astrologer tells entertainer, stop trying to be an artiste. <laughs> <laughs> Because production is what will bring him wealth. So, a St. Mary-based astrologer advised a recording dancehall, reggae, slash reggae artist, that he should turn his attention to a, becoming a record producer instead, and that this would make him 
I quote, filthy rich. <laughs> um, she would not reveal names. She would not name who this artiste was. Um, I'd be very, very intrigued to know. She said he's been trying to do a thing for several years and he ain't getting nowhere. Wow. So he came to consult her services and she took... Ivan her. I mean, she offered him some advice. She said, and she said, sometimes even though you want to do something, that was who you were in your past life. He clearly can't accept who he was in his past life. He, he's still trying to live that life. So, um, mm. yeah, he ain't followed her advice. Um, she, she says her initial interests were in psychology, which led her to astrology, and she describes it as a very factual science. She also said she believes in God and that He is the greatest scientist. Okay. I mean, I respect it. If that's, yeah. your, if that's your view, I respect it. I respect it. I know lots of people are always ready to like shit on astrology, but I'm just like, some of you might accept that there's a God that's present that you can't see, but you're not, you don't want to listen to people talking about things that we can actually see that. Like, yeah. The, the stars. Moon, the sun, the stars. I I'm, think a bit, I'm a bit confused sometimes. The thing about astrology is I thought it was just all absolute nonsense until someone explained to me that it's not just your like star sign there's your rising your moon your 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 lion do, do, do you know what i mean like, <laughs> it's not just your sun sign it's your rising yeah your moon. yeah so i'm i'm still definitely a skeptic but it's definitely more involved than people think i have to say that yeah, I think I think it's so easy to knock things without actually having done any research. I of feel course. like and it's not necessarily you have to do like in-depth research, spend hours studying, but just inform yourself a little bit more and then this then come to a conclusion. Yeah. Um but yeah, so those are my new stories. Guys, look, I gave you something from another part of the Caribbean. <laughs> Diverse. I know, right? I know. No, I'm I'm trying, I'm really trying. But listen, some of these papers, yeah. They want to charge me to read stuff, and I, I am definitely not paying for that. No, it's a no from me. Yeah. Also, guys, don't pay. Just come here every week. <laughs> there we go. You can get the best, the best news stories, the ones that you really will be interested in, um, and save yourself the trouble. So, so do you want to say what we're getting into today? Yeah. So we're gonna do a review on Black Power. A British Story of Resistance, which was a documentary shown on BBC. So I've got a little a little synopsis here. Oh, I love it. So it is an examination of the Black Power movement in the late 1960s in the UK, surveying both the individuals and the cultural forces that defined the era. The second half of the documentary focuses mainly on the Mangrove Nine and the Oval Four. And in its entirety, the documentary basically addresses racism in institutions such as social, housing, the police force. Education. Mm. Yeah. The fickle attitudes of political leaders. The documentary addresses black power movements, um, how they tried to convey their messages against oppression. So, yeah, it was narrated by Daniel Kaluuya. I saw that at the end in the credits and I was like, "Mm, interesting. (laughs) Congratulations on your Oscar, because obviously you're listening. (laughs) His voice is quite distinct for me, so I knew it was him. But yeah, they featured a lot of music that I really enjoyed. And it was also paying homage to the music that inspired a lot of these movements as well. So there was Nina Simone, Bob Marley, James Brown, and a lot of Jamaican reggae artists such as Niney, Ken Parker, Peter Tosh. So yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you want to give us your initial thoughts? Um... So I haven't, 
and I, 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 I'll admit this, I haven't done as much reading on black power movements within the UK as I have done with black power movements within the US, mm. um, which is a failing on my part, I believe. Um, I I thought the documentary was good overall. I was interested, I, I didn't get a chance to look up who the, the researchers were for it. I think I'd be interested to know who did the research. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, I thought it was interesting. I brought some information that I didn't know about um, and organisations I didn't know about. Some of them I knew because like, my auntie was involved in some of them. Um, but yeah, it was, it, it was an interesting documentary. That's what I will say. Uh, yeah. my, the copy I was watching was a bit... <laughs> because <laughs> obviously, if the BBC is listening, yeah, can you, <laughs> you man just allow your British citizens... Um, who you so love to access your shit from outside of the UK, please, without having a VPN, because right now I don't want to pay for a VPN. Thank you. Yeah, it's a it's a bit long for you. Yeah. Um, but what do you What do you think? What are your initial thoughts? I enjoyed it. I thought it was quite um, fairly portrayed. Mm. I don't. I think that was really important, and I especially enjoyed hearing some of the police officers that they interviewed speaking on incidents they had witnessed and what they thought about the racism within the institution. I think that we need more people who work with oppressors (laughs) to speak up about their experiences and what they plan to do to tear this down because racism and prejudice, of course it affects minorities, but it's, it should be, it's not, but it should be everyone's responsibility to overturn this. So people that are directly involved in these institutions need to do more, in my do humble you, opinion. Do you think then that you can dismantle it from with it the inside then? Because what's it, Audrey Law said? You can't destroy the master's house with the master's tools. Is that the, is that the phrase? Yeah, so I know what you're talking about. Are you, are you saying basically, do you think it's possible to reform instead of just tearing down and starting again? Yeah. Um, I don't think it's possible, but I don't think we're going to be given the option to completely start again not in our lifetime Mm. Mm. i think one of the key messages i got got from it as well was um and one of my friends she's always saying it she said it's about the youth actually looking back to what elders have done and been doing um in order to inform their protest practice today and i don't think enough young people actually do that that's completely true oh god like no but like i said i'm not I'm not educated um, enough on black power movements within the UK. Um, and that's through my own doing, but because I, I can't I can't expect the British education system to have taught me that, do you know what I mean? Yeah, but I definitely would say you know a lot more than you think and a lot more than other people. It's also, you consuming um, US news about it, it's also very important because a, a lot of the, the US and the UK movements um, inspired each other. So yeah. it's you're learning a lot of the, wouldn't say same material, but you know what I mean? Definitely in the documentary, they said that uh, people participating now in the BLM movement and protests need to be aware, like you're saying, of what our ancestors have done because it wasn't that long ago. And the more you learn that, then you're less likely to either like repeat mistakes or things that were successful, using that to empower what you're doing now. Otherwise, we're literally just going around in circles and there's no point. Yeah, I feel like we are going to continue to go around in circles for quite a while. Um, But I think the real emphasis that I got as well was how the community actually moved and worked together. Um, Mm. 
that was that was really really nice to see and i'm glad they actually featured some of the women of the movement because yeah. all too too often it's the men that are given given a lot of the props um they are like shown to be at the forefront when really it's always a lot of black women who don't get props for what they've been doing um so i, yeah. I, thought, that was, I thought that was really good like afia jones yeah um olive morris obviously yeah i'm glad that they big, big them up I'm glad they also spoke about Michael X's story because. <laughs> what? <laughs> sorry. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm sorry. Let me, let me I feel like it often goes untold, but the way that man fled the country, yeah. <laughs> so basically, if you if you haven't seen the documentary, um, or you're not aware, Michael X was supposed to be, you know, a de facto leader for one of the main UK. Uh, black power movement parties racial adjustment action society yeah but he basically was taking money for himself and didn't really care for the community um and then when everything just got a bit mad you know um he got arrested and everyone was trying to look into what he was doing he just he just ran back to trinidad i believe (laughs) and was like you know what guys i did what i could (laughs) and i'm out and hey, I don't have all the facts, so I don't know if like he was trying to do good and then it, it backfired, or if he really never had good intentions. I I don't know, but it, <laughs> him even calling himself Michael X as well just. <laughs> it, what I found interesting was at the beginning of the documentary when they first introduced him, they made this, they made, and I don't think they did this with anyone else, but they were like he, they spoke of his origins, like as opposed to. Okay, obviously they reference where everybody's from, like mm. the West in, in the West Indies, etc. But they were like, "Oh, Malcolm, Malcolm, you know how? Do, sorry, Malcolm, <laughs> sorry, sorry, apologize, my idol. Michael X was tr- Trinidadian, but of Portuguese origin, and I found it really yeah. in- interesting that they made that distinction, as if to say, so really he weren't one of us. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> don't get it twisted. This was other. <laughs> exactly, but it really made me think of that um, Marcus Garvey quote where. I'm summarizing it. Um, I'm paraphrasing it, sorry. But he basically just said, "We can't bring all you Negroes with us. Like some mm. of you are waste. Some of you are waste." And Michael X was just one of them ones who was waste and who just exploited the movement and all the racial injustice that was happening to his own benefit. Like how sick and disgusting must you be to do that to your people? I don't know how. Well, hello. It was the Portuguese descent. <laughs> <laughs> it was that part of it. <laughs> No, I'm playing. Um, I, I really I really don't know. To me, I, I don't get how anyone can see racial injustice and, and not feel a way, but for it to be literally, um, you know, happening to who you would consider to be your people and for you to be the head of a movement, <laughs> like you're wow. actually doing a lot to be scamming and betraying people, but hey. I mean, I did, as much as I, I'm critiquing his behaviour, there were some ideas of his that I liked. Like I, I liked how how much he didn't give a fuck about what he was saying. Similarly to, and I don't want to draw comparisons between Malcolm X because that that feels like blasphemy, yeah? Hmm. But just the outspokenness of his, like, nature in terms terms of just talking up the things, whereas some people, like, pussyfooted around saying that the state is racist, et cetera, et cetera, yeah? Also, his idea of having, like, the black house, of housing community space for black people. I love that idea. I think that's such a beautiful concept if you're not fucking robbing them. Yeah. Um... That was such a good idea to bring resources together, um, educate, like share ideas, promote 
awareness about things. That was such a good initiative, but yeah, didn't have the right intentions. Because um, who was it that was helping him? It was uh, Dark Dark as hell. Yeah. yeah. He seemed really, really influential. Yeah. I mean, he's the nephew. Is it the nephew? The nephew of CLR James. So I'm just like, well, you couldn't, you couldn't be acting a fool out here if you're like the nephew <laughs> of CLR James. Like, come on now. Um, yeah. Obviously, lawyer by training. But what I found to be ironic was the fact that Michael Michael X was the first, um, the first person, and obviously he was black that was um, sent to prison under the Race Relations Act. Yeah. I don't know if you want to go into more detail about that because law is your thing. <laughs> <laughs> Lol. Um, honestly, I think the fact that they used that act to arrest someone who was meant to be protected by the creation of that act is abysmal. Basically, they said that because he was saying that any white man who harmed a black woman should be killed, the the police were saying that under the Race Relations Act, he was inciting hatred, um, racial discrimination based off that statement. And I mean, it really depends how you look at things because many people like to believe that, you know, MLK was very peaceful, which isn't actually 100% true, but <laughs> people often compare MLK with yes. Malcolm X because, you know, that's how people tend to d- divide it like how that. How dare you? How dare you <laughs> compare MLK to to... to... Malcolm X, please, I beg you. Get into that more. Tell us more. <laughs> um, Malcolm X, because Malcolm X didn't rate MLK at all. And I hate that just because, you, you know, white people used MLK as this, like, um, this this figure of how black people should seek to, to, to get their rights mm-hmm. um, that they were entitled to. And because he wanted to do this in a peaceful way. Obviously, that's not necessarily true in its entirety because he did... He didn't necessarily advocate for violence uh, in comparison to Malcolm X. Why do we always have to draw comparisons between mm. black leaders? Like, I, I don't feel like that's necessary. They had, I don't want to say they had the same plans for the future for black people, but they had just very differing ways of thinking about it. But I still, well, Malcolm X is my hero, isn't it? So yeah, I say hero, but... If you guys I'm, weren't getting that. <laughs> if, if you weren't getting that, if you look on anything that I have, like any screen, it's Malcolm X. That I need to remind myself all the time that man actually changed changed my life and changed my perspective about a lot of things so yeah um further influential so i thought i wrote a couple of notes obviously and Mm. a couple of quotes that stuck out to me so one was when malcolm x said the system is on its deathbed Mm. um you know we both agree that's true but i think watching these documentaries i also get you know quite sad and emotional because I mean, if it was on its deathbed then, what is it now? Because I, things are really not going well. <laughs> like it's cyclical nature of all of it. It's really sickening and draining and exhausting. Mm. I think. To end. I think the thing is, is that we made a lot of jokes about the um, the commission, the report on racism in the UK, or that bullshit report, whatever. Yeah. But the fact that this documentary was talking about how the Teddy Boys would join the police force as an excuse for them to beat up black people in the street. Um, One of the police officers was saying that he witnessed people arrest black men and women for things they hadn't done and just lock them up and obviously physically abuse them. It's kind of like, we know that this happened in the 60s, but you can't have an institution that promoted that and then tell me oh my God, I nearly said 40 years later as if we're not in 2021. (laughs) (laughs) 
wow, 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 wow. And then 60 years later, tell me that the same institution is pure and has good intentions and there's not one grain of problematic behaviour because it's it's just untrue based on the facts and evidence we still hold to this day. It's it's crazy to me that we even have to still debate this, but yeah, it was it was emotional to watch. No, yeah, and it's definitely what you're saying that just because, you know, you've introduced like acts that all of a sudden that the, the people who have been on the streets enforcing these acts these laws are gonna all of a sudden change because now they have a different different rules to abide by please i beg if no. if you're racist you're racist you know what i mean you're, you're not going to change because a piece of paper tells you that you're not allowed to discriminate against somebody because of such and such a thing but what i found really interesting even was about the race relations act was that what it came it came did it come before enoch powell's rivers of blood speech i think it came in 65 and then enoch's enoch's uh powell speech was in 68 i believe those that's what i remember but carry on i'll just double check but it didn't cover it didn't cover things like housing education and at the hands of police (laughs) so so it actually didn't it was it was only about um promoting like racial hatred as as being illegal quote-unquote but it didn't prevent discrimination in housing education or at the hands of police Okay, then even with the like reforms to the act in what 76, they included housing and education in that, but they still didn't include, (laughs) they still didn't include anything to do with the police. So I was just like, well, this place is a mess, it's always been a mess, it's always going to be a mess. Um, and I don't know what what we can do to not to make any changes because I I think it's a lost cause to be quite honest, and I, I know that sounds really like sad but I'm pessimistic but it's just how I feel um I mean I know what you mean because a couple other of the quotes were saying like for some time now black people have been complaining about police to police complaining about magistrates to magistrates complaining about politicians to politicians and it kind of goes back to what you were saying about how how do you tear this down? How do you see change? Because the people that we are complaining to or protesting about are the ones that hold views that are <laughs> clearly oppressing us. So mm-hmm. I think that's why people that benefit from what oppressors have done have to have to be valuable allies. Because those are the people that will be listened to. Those are the people that hold any weight in the eyes of people that we can't get through to. Do you believe in allyship? Um, the word is irritating, but <laughs> <laughs> I I believe that it, it's a it's a together thing. What it is for me is it's like a lot of people, a lot of white people who hold racist views, some of them will never change. And so there's no the word allyship was that was I gonna do, yeah. But for people that are just ignorant or uneducated, we need, we don't need their support to feel validated, but we need their support to see change through institutions that don't give a fuck about us. Like the the voice that certain messages comes from, it is important in in my opinion. If you look at a black person and only see a monkey, you only see an animal, someone who can't be tamed, someone who deserves nothing and when they're killed, you don't care. But then a white person speaks up about it. Sometimes, not always, but sometimes it makes a difference. Yeah, I hope you're saying. Yeah. I was going to say that what was interesting, not interesting, what struck me was that black was a term that didn't just refer to you being black as we use it today. 
So I, I don't, I cringe to say it, but politically black. Mm. <laughs> Sorry, guys, if you can see my face right now, I'm just like, <laughs> stressed at saying that word. Um, so yeah, because when, when the documentary started, I saw Asian people, I was like, oh, <laughs> okay. Um, I understand that you can't not include their voices. Um, and But I didn't like that they didn't address that at any point in the documentary. I thought yeah. that this should be addressed. There should be at least a five-minute conversation about why and how how this happened and why it worked that way. Um, but yeah, I, I found that quite interesting. And one of... Nazareth, I believe his last name was. I, I can't remember what his full name was. But he okay. said something that struck me. And he said, black is a symbol of the opposition against oppression. And I was like, hmm, that's interesting. So... That's the way in which you are able to align with quote unquote blackness mm. um, in your struggle against oppression during, I don't remember what era he was talking about then. I think it was in the late 60s, 70s. Obviously, things have changed. I mean, to an extent, but not necessarily to an extent because Black Lives Matter in the UK is not run by black people. So mm. I guess things haven't really, <laughs> really changed. And I, I, Maybe I'll reserve my opinions on that, actually. <laughs> Maybe I'll reserve my opinions on that. But yeah. yeah, I mean, BLM is a whole is a whole other mess, isn't it? It's, it's really sad. Um, it's really sad that they've got all this money and they don't... Yeah, I'm going to reserve my opinions. Yeah, maybe we can get into that another episode because there's yeah, actually definitely. quite a lot. There's quite a lot there. Um, what, what do you think about um, allies? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I don't know if they exist. I don't. I don't think they exist. Mm. Um, I totally understand what you're saying. Where um, obviously black voices are marginalised. They're not listened to. Even if you're saying the same thing that comes out of the mouth of, of a white person, that the white person will be listened to. Um, but I just my um, and maybe this is bad for me. But I always assume any white person I meet, I assume they are racist until they prove me wrong. <laughs> And to be quite honest, every single time <laughs> that rule of thumb has generally worked, they will yeah. say something that's racist. And I get that now, like, we're in this real era of black people shouldn't educate people. Like, it's not our job. We shouldn't be extending that, that energy to do that. I, mm-hmm. I totally understand that argument. Um, but then part of me is just like, where do we have space for people who want to learn but don't want to say ignorant things? I get that Google is a thing. But sometimes, where do you start with Google? Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, I personally, though, don't have time to educate any white people. I'm, I'm tired. I've I got, I got bills to pay and things to do. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's it's tiring. It's very tiring. I, I think that I do believe there are allies because I consider myself... I wish we could change this word. I consider myself someone who supports movements that don't directly affect my life. Like, I support Stop Asian Hate. Uh, I support rights for LGBTQIA plus people. Do you know what I mean? Like, I feel like I do believe in supporting groups that you don't necessarily belong to yourself um, because I actively do that. But I think that I'm not trying to compare those things to black people's human rights. But I do think people need to... There needs to be a sense of togetherness. Even in the documentary when they were saying West Indians love having these loud parties, like... You know, oh you my god, the police officer he was talking about it. I literally want to fly kick him in his not jaw imagine. Exactly. exactly. So it's a thing where if there had been more 
Obviously, it was a different time, but if there had been more white people supporting our human rights, it would have had more of an impact because there were people supporting. There were. Even even we heard stories in, in the documentary of, oh, this white woman, uh, you know, took me in and supported me when I had been beaten up or whatever it might might have been. But there was not a solidarity. <laughs> Otherwise, there wouldn't have been a problem in the first place, you know, so... Do, do you think there can be a solidarity between black people and white people, specifically? In the UK, let's let's say let's take it take it. Take Not it. in our lifetime. But you think it's possible? <laughs> <laughs> ah, if you can see nice face right now, <laughs> it's oh man. Yes and no. Like yeah, anything's possible. But there's so much work that has to be done for that to happen no logical person could just say yes you know because it's like have you not seen what's been going on <laughs> like do you know what i mean mm. so i want to say yes but boy that's that's a lot of work people in this country do not care about minorities i'm not even going to say black people i'm going to literally just widen that out when i was watching the documentary and they, they said um why are these black people here my mum said it's just to, to steal our jobs um <laughs> yeah well, I was busting up because I was just like, that's how I know you lot didn't learn shit at school, you know. You were saying, why are they here? What did you learn in your books at school? Was it about the British Empire? Like, I don't understand, like, they are people of the Commonwealth who were invited here by your Queen. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, you're, you're literally, why are you making up things? <laughs> like, oh what's happening? It literally helped oh. rebuild your country after the Second World War because otherwise, what would you man have been doing, huh? What would your healthcare have looked like without black people literally holding it up? Please Um, tell me. And it wasn't the first time because what was your industrial revolution fueled by? Slavery money. How about that? How about that? Okay? You want to talk about all your infrastructure and all this shit that you got in your country, mate? Who the fuck built that shit? Paid for that shit? Labored for that shit? Anyways. I just think that for there to be unity, the people in power, those that are privileged, have far too much to lose. And yeah, of course. we won't see any kind of union in, in our lifetime. And hey, you and I are both two, not pessimistic, but realist people. Realistic. And, <laughs> yeah, and, and I just feel like <laughs> we, yeah, we, we share a lot of those views of, boy. <laughs> I can end a lot of my opinions with, boy. <laughs> it is what it is. <laughs> yeah. Um. No, it was an interesting documentary. Um, glad I got to watch it, even though BBC didn't want to let me live, but okay. Ooh. If anyone has a VPN, hit me up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I also took down some quotes. Hmm. I love how Stokely Carmichael was banned from the UK after his visit. Yeah, that was a joke. That's when the government really started monitoring all the black power groups that were being set up in the UK. And mm. Michael X really fucked it for everybody because as soon as he started moving like a snake, that's when they really started tightening their grip on all the black organisations. Um, I think grassroots is the way, to be quite honest. These little community yeah. groups that they had is so fucking important. Um, that's why I'm really weary of, like, big organisations. Mm. Yeah, that, that say that they support black people or they're, like, black-led. I'm just a bit like, mm, this... This structure feels a bit 
off key it feels like a structure that the oppressor would uh, have but anyway yeah so I, I noted down some famous james baldwin quotes um james baldwin, oh, as, james baldwin. as you all know a writer activist um just all round amazing I mean, human being one quote that always stood out to me was to be a negro in this country obviously he meant america but i mean it applies here and to be relatively conscious is to be in a rage almost all the time yeah and you know i think in this day and age of social media as well it's it's really heightened like my emotions are heightened a lot of the time and it is stressful so I was just kind of tying that back into talking about educating other people on, on the struggle. Mm-hmm. It's exhausting, exhausting because sometimes you have to even like prove what you're talking about. And it can be like, for want of a better, a better word, like traumatic, especially if you've experienced racial abuse or some kind of assault, you know? So reading these quotes, you know, you feel like your voice is heard. No, definitely. Because sometimes you do think you're actually like exaggerating things or going a little bit crazy or mm. have your guard up too much. But in reality, your spirit is always right. <laughs> your yeah. spirit is always right. And you, I think I've personally, I, I've let go of some of the rage. I think the rage used to really fuel me a lot, but mm. um, I don't have so much rage anymore. Um, I think you have to kind of. Um find a way to deal with those emotions otherwise it will it will consume you no definitely but i feel like there's 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 space for rage as well and i think that because so often we've been told that we're not allowed to we're stereotyped when we express not even rage i mean just some sort of discomfort yeah exactly (laughs) um you know we get stereotyped that that we don't express it so much but i feel like our rage is valid and that we should lay it out i personally to do with my rage, I surround myself with black people. Uh, to Conscious be black people. That you're damn right. Thank <laughs> you for correcting that because, All like I said, folk, aching folk. This is what I'm saying. Some of you are like the most anti-black. Black. Like, some black people are so anti-black. We'll have to do a whole episode about that. Yeah, we really. I've got a lot to say about that. But yeah, one thing I want to touch on as well is one of the police officers being interviewed, he said that when he was a junior officer and he was still on probation, he watched his superiors basically kick the living shit out, out of a young black man. Pleading for out. his mother. Yeah. Pleading for his mother. Praying praying for the Lord himself. And this officer didn't do anything because he was a junior officer, he was on probation, he... Uh, he said he said the thought didn't even cross his mind to say anything to the officers that were doing these things. And I think that obviously we've all been in positions where you're like new at a job and you don't want to question certain things because, you know, you're new and like all these things. But I can't allow this man to compare what he experienced and witnessed to me not knowing whether I should convert a file to PDF or not. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, I... <laughs> I, I couldn't believe what I was hearing. I, I understand it's the times you live in. It's what you're exposed to. And this is the norm. But it blows my mind that there's not enough people who thought, you know what, this can't be the norm anymore. I'm watching someone like possibly die in front of me because of the colour of their skin. If more people in those positions were to speak up, I truly believe we would have seen change a long time ago. And of course, some of them would have just been thrown right down there with him and beaten up as well, or would have been exiled from 
the white community, whatever that is. <laughs> don't come for their community, for their culture. Don't come for the community and their culture, please. I beg. <laughs> I I just feel like. Yeah, there has to be more done by people that claim to give a fuck who aren't black. Mm. Yeah. Because I, I did see a quote the other day. It was some white politician in America was saying, like, the the pain that the oppressed feel, it does fall on the shoulders of the oppressors to fix. Because they're, they're the ones who can. Like Now, don't get me wrong. Of course, we can have our own communities where we you know, have resources and we can come together and be a collective like we were talking about with the grassroots. That is so powerful. But if they want to stop that for any reason, even though we have might have more numbers or more power, that's what's been happening. And I, I don't know, sure we can police our own areas, sure we can, you know, keep to ourselves, quote unquote, all these things that we read about, but there has to be some kind of union at some level, otherwise... It, well, it depends what kind of society you want, really. I mean, even even with that politician's quote, like, yes, it falls on the oppressor's so- shoulders, but that would imply, like, what you're saying is that the oppressors would have to have some sort of conscience, <laughs> which I don't yeah. think yeah. they do. I don't know who said that. I don't know if it's Frank Fanon that talks about that or if it's James Baldwin. Mm. Anyway. I completely understand the whole reason that we don't rely on oppressors to save us is because they are the oppressor. So like, I understand if you're listening and you're thinking, okay, nah, but like, <laughs> so are you telling me to wait for Boris to save us from racism? Like, what, what do you want me to do here? These times <laughs> like, Boris spent that's... my tax money re- renovating his fucking yard, his second yard or third yard, who knows which one it is. Listen, listen, Bojo the yard for the hidden out here for himself. So I'm saying that's that's the yard for the hidden baby mother, the one that's actually saying I'm gonna I'm gonna fucking expose you, I'm gonna expose you, and he's just like no 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 I, I, I get it. Don't worry, dear. Don't worry. Right. So I understand that it's a bit um, idealistic to be like, well, the oppressor should just handle it all. That's not what I'm saying. I just feel like there needs to be a but it down <laughs> some kind of intersection. Um, because I, I just I just fear otherwise it will just be a black Wall Street repetition for every generation otherwise. Oh, Lord have mercy. But then I just don't know if capitalism is the way to go, though. Why are we going to replicate a system that's caused us so much harm? Daria, one thing at a time, please. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm just thinking about these things. I don't know enough about um, socialism or communism. Social reform. But, yeah, but I just I just think that yeah, let me let me not speak because I haven't I haven't read enough to speak on these things, and I really hate when people talk about things when they ain't read enough. So, but yeah, that was it was a good it was a good documentary. I can finish that off with another James Baldwin quote, of, mm. which links to what you just said. The paradox of education is precisely this: that as one begins to become more conscious, one begins to examine the society in which he is being educated. From there's photos and videos of me and my brothers in college, and we used to sit and watch Malcolm X speeches. That's what we used to do for fun. So, yeah, but I've been doing that. Sometimes, like they say, anyway, ignorance is bliss, and I wish I was just one of them people that could just be so ignorant to these things. I'd be living the happiest life, man. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Honestly, ignorance is bliss, and I don't know if if we were successful in completely 
upturn in all these systems. So there's no kind of union. It's literally like burn everything down, start again, yeah. And <laughs> because you can't really expect much union from a police force that pretty much declared war on black people. If we were to succeed in just completely starting again, I don't know if ignorant black people are invited. <laughs> because... No, they're not. They're not, man. <laughs> they're not. But then what I'm do just we like, do who, with you who, guys? Who, like... who gets who gets to decide who, which black people get to come, like, and which ones are ignorant? Like, what's the what's the barometer? I'll, well, I'll make a um, <laughs> I'll make a, Is it called a kazoo? What is it online? We do a little test. I'll make a multiple choice test online. Oh my god! <laughs> I'm playing. <laughs> Should we wrap it up? Yeah, let's do it. Do you want to let the people know something that's made you happy this week? Loads of things have made me happy this week, to be honest. Um, the sun. Yesterday was 20 degrees, mate. And it was a PhD day, so I got to... 20 degrees? I mean, you know, for Europe, like, 20 degrees is hot, hot, you know? Hot, hot. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So... After doing some work, I spent a few hours in the park, which was beautiful. Um, I've eaten some good yard food this week that I cooked myself. Yeah. Fantastic. Good things. What about you? Um, I Eek. saw... <laughs> I saw some <laughs> friends yesterday that oh, I haven't no. seen for about a year because of covid So that was really nice. You fully did it. You... F- Sorry, do you know what? It's really baffling me that some people have actually like properly followed the rules in London since since day dot. Yeah, so, I respect it. I respect it. Uh, just to clarify, I've seen other friends in this time. Uh, uh, I just uh, haven't uh, seen uh, those <laughs> ones. Uh, <laughs> I've always been safe with what I've uh, been doing, but these particular friends, I just hadn't had a chance to catch up with them. So yeah, we did that. Oh, that's cute. Okay, that's guys. Really nice. Thanks for listening um, to another episode. Can you give us a little Apple review if you so wish, if you're so inclined? That would be a lovely job, Blay. Um, hang on a minute, hang on a minute. Speaking of reviews, uh, we didn't give it a rating in the documentary. Oh, shit, as well. We have to give it out of 10, isn't so it? So we would do that, yeah. Um, I think I would give it a, a 7. I think I'm I'm with you on that just because I don't think they explain this whole politically black thing. Yeah, the the Asian involvement needed a lot more attention in terms of like explaining it and then also I think they could have linked to how things are today at the end of the documentary that would have been really powerful. Yeah, the ending was no I'm I'm going to knock it to a 6 for that though still actually. <laughs> that was definitely 5, a missed 5. opportunity. Yeah. All right, cool. About yeah, yeah. Guys, as Daria was saying, um, stay yard because it's still a pandemic going on, isn't it? Yeah, man. I don't know what you need in Primark, but I, I don't think it's that deep. <laughs> um, wash your hand, all of them good things, don't it? Stay blessed. Yeah, man. Take care, guys.